Statistics and uh, have a good feeling about our next uh, contributor on the 123 show. I'd like to welcome back on the program, Cruzy McCalligan. Cruz, it's great to speak to you again. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Good afternoon. How are you doing? Yes, I'm well. I feel like it's absolutely been ages since I last spoke to you. Um, maybe I think about... it has been, actually. It's been a couple of weeks. Exactly, because you sat in for me and then um, Karen sat in for me to do the show. So I've always missed you. I mean, I heard you on the radio, um, but I actually miss talking to you on the radio. Just, you know, we talk off air too, but, you know, that's <laughs> <laughs> that's not real no, life. And, and, and unfortunately, I'm, I'm perching in my daughter's corner of my daughter's bedroom to do my audio <laughs> column today so it's like nothing is what it usually is hey it's topsy-turvy upside down that's um, the way uh, that's the way it should be you're, you're, you're <laughs> social distancing so that that's a physically exactly. distancing so that's a great thing. exactly um but we're talking about beetles today noreen Nice. You always call them fascinating topics. Not, not the band the beetles not the beetles which i know is making steve james like cringe with like what what like you know i'm like no don't worry steve we're not stepping on your toes we're doing nothing beetle musically related we're talking about beetles as in insect and bug (laughs) and crawly creepy crawly i think he's just tuning in just because he likes beetles of all sorts (laughs) from band to insects beetle lover um but okay so so beetles it might sound like a bit of um I don't know. For me, it's exciting. I love insects and I find them fascinating. And of course, in keeping with social distancing, lately I've been um, I've been staying at home most of the time. But when I do go out, I go for walks at the country park near my house. So um, I've been, you know, wearing my mask on the trails, but trying to get a bit of fresh air. And of course, Anytime you go into a country park in Hong Kong, you come across some kind of incredible creature. Of course, we have the most incredible biodiversity in our natural environment here. And I've seen a lot of beetles. That's the long story. The long story short is I've seen a lot of beetles. And I want to look into them a little bit more because you always seem to see different ones. There's so many different kinds. I'm like, there's so many different kinds of beetles. I wasn't even close. There are Literally, they are the largest group of living organisms known to science, bar none. Really? (laughs) Yes. Even with plants included in the count, one in every five known organisms is a beetle. Huh? One in five? One in five. Scientists have described over 350,000 species of beetle, which, I okay, I know numbers don't have a lot of meaning, to people sometimes but 350,000 types but a new beetle is discovered more or less at the rate of one an hour (laughs) one an hour and they actually think they actually think there could be up to eight million more types of beetle than than that we haven't discovered yet oh that's so (laughs) there's a lot of beetles there is a lot of beetles so that's what they think. So they think so. And the fascinating thing is about beetles is that they, um, I mean, and by comparison, for example, so if we say there's 350,000, maybe even 400,000 species of beetles on the planet that we know of, I mean, like they might, so there's still millions that are out there. There are only 8,000 species of mammals. So by comparison, the, you know, there aren't that many mammals. Beetles are kind of, um, a lot of people joke about this. And there was a, a British geneticist and an atheist actually um called jbs haldane who purported to say that god must have an inordinate fondness for beetles um just because of there's so many of them 
Um, and they're really important because a lot of um, other animals rely on them as part of uh, the big part of a food chain. So a lot of the times, you know, a lot of um, it's really it's really integral as part of the food chain as well. So we can't afford to have them going extinct or anything. So as much as, you know, one is discovered every hour, I wonder how many of them are going extinct by the hour as well. Totally. Absolutely. And they are. They're really important. We find them almost anywhere on the planet um they they inhabit both terrestrial and freshwater aquatic habitats from forests to grasslands deserts to tundras beaches mountaintops you can find them on the world's most remote um remote islands um so they're they're basically everywhere and interestingly they vary dramatically in size as well so as you would expect from a huge such a huge group of insects they range from nearly completely microscopic to pretty much enormous so the shortest uh beetles are called the featherwing beetles um which is adorable which uh, most of which measure less than a millimeter long that's how tiny they are um and of of these of this family of beetles I'm and looking, a species I'm, called I just the, Googled it, actually. I, I had to Google oh, really? featherwing beetles. <laughs> Can you beetles. actually see it? Can you see it? Is it zoomed in? It's zoomed in. And, oh, they have, like, little brushes on their legs. It kind of looks like a toilet brush on each leg, really. So well, I think maybe, like maybe toilet brush beetle is a diff- is yet unnamed beetle. There'll be one. <laughs> You can give them that name. Let's go. Um, apparently, the um, the fringed ant beetle, the Nanocella fungi, which reaches only 0.25 millimeters in length and weighs just 0.4 milligrams. They're so small. They're teeny, teeny, tiny. But on the complete other end of the spectrum, we have the Goliath beetle, also known as the Goliathus Goliathus, which is one hell of a name. Um and that can weigh up to 100 grams, 100 grams of beetle, which is a pretty hefty beetle, really, if you think about it. That's huge. That's huge. For a beetle. Um, and the longest, yeah, the longest known beetle we know hails from South America called the Titanus giganteus. Again, a great name. I guess when you have so many beetles, you might as well use any of the names you can think of. You're not going to wait for a better beetle to come along. You're just going to be like, I'm going to call this one Goliathus, Goliathus. And the Titanus <laughs> giganteus can reach 20 centimeters long, which is huge, wow. which is really big. <laughs> I'm kind of scared if I encounter that 20 centimeters. Yeah, don't worry. I'm pretty sure we won't because we, won't, we have won't. such a, you know, we, we don't, um, we disturb their environment way too much. Um, but interestingly, uh, adult beetles chew their food. So it might seem kind of obvious, but actually not all insects do chew their food. Like uh, butterflies sip liquid nectar from their own inbuilt straw. Um, but one of uh, the most common traits of adult beetles and most beetle larvae is that they have mandipulate mouth parts made just for chewing. So they literally have parts to chew with in their mouths. Um, and even though most beetles feed on plants, like you say, if we look at our food chain, a lot of animals eat the beetles. Um, but actually, some of them uh, hunt and eat smaller insect prey, like uh, ladybirds, of course, um, they eat aphids um and uh there's also a few that eat uh, different kinds of fungus and that they um they use their store strong jaws to kind of gnaw through things um so it's quite interesting um and in fact the most common beetle uh name is thought to derive from the old english word bitella meaning little biter Aww. So they we actually think that's why we call them beetles because they're little biters because of their their little mandibles 
their mandible jaws. Um, and of course, uh, interestingly, uh, they can also be really noisy, apparently. So I haven't ever personally known a noisy beetle. Um, I have. Many, have you? Tell me about the noisy beetle that's entered your life. <laughs> the, the Christmas beetles uh, in Australia, they're very noisy. Oh, and, really? What kind of sound do they make? Um, like chirping noises, kind of, a bit like um, a bit like crickets or cicadas. They, they kind of make, tss, I, I don't know, I can't really imitate it very well. Tss, 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 tss. Okay. Oh. <laughs> I'm trying my best. <laughs> Never I really did I think I was going <laughs> I really am. <laughs> Never did I think oh, I'd have to awesome. imitate uh, a sound of a beetle on air, but there you go. Um, there you and, go, you know. And they're really everything. brightly coloured as well. They're, they're, they're this got the shiny um, armour of, of green colour on them, and it's really metallic green. They're really quite beautiful. Christmas beetles. Oh, wow. Yes. Oh, sure. Gosh, that sounds amazing. Um, well, lots of different beetles make different kinds of noises. Uh, the Death Watch beetle, again, a great name. Um, they bang their heads against the wall of their wooden tunnels to make a surprisingly loud knocking sound. So it's not just them making the noise of their body, it's actually making a sound using their environment. Um, and some other uh, beetles tap their abdomens on the ground. And a good a good number of beetles do something called stridulate, which is particularly when handled by a person. So if you've ever, for example, picked up a June beetle, um, they, they almost squeal when you pick them up. Um, so like a lot of beetles kind of have this, they do, they, they, they make noises. They're quite noisy little guys. Um, and the thing is, they've been around for a really, really long time. Uh, the first beetle-like organisms in our fossil records date back to the Permian period, which might not mean anything to you, but it was roughly 270 million years ago. I mean, that's incredible. Wow. And the ones that are true beetles, the ones that kind of most true resemble beetles. our modern-day yeah. beetles, yeah, so the ones that kind of you'd look you'd look at it in a fossil and be like, I know that's a beetle, Um they first appeared 230 million years ago. So even though there was a 40 million year difference between the two, they've still been around for 230 million years. Um, so it's quite incredible. And they, they, they were already in existence before the breakup of the supercontinent Pangaea. Um, Pangaea, I can never say it properly, but you know when yeah, the world all broke right? up and everything. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and um, they survived the KT extinction event um, that was supposed to have doomed the dinosaurs. So w the event that we think killed all of the dinosaurs, beetles survived. <laughs> and they su so what is it? So apparently it's just because they're incredibly adept at adapting to ecological changes and also why they're everywhere. Um, aside from Antarctica, where there are no extant beetle species, um, you find them in almost every continent. And as I mentioned, like at least four out of five animal species today belong to the winged insect class called uh, Coleoptera. And there are amounts of, uh, this, is, this is the kind of beetly beetle we talk about with like 400,000 named species of just a beetle. Um, so it's quite it's quite amazing all the different things they've done, um, and also apparently depending where you are, uh, the smell that you might be smelling might be a beetle. So apparently uh, a lot of beetles release strong smelling chemicals as a defense mechanism. Um, and I actually like I think about this sometimes. Like, have you ever had like in Hong Kong um, like a stink bug, like a bug fly onto you and it really, really smells? Yeah, I have seen those before. It hasn't landed on me. Um, but yeah, I know which ones you're talking about. I remember like when I was a child and I was playing outside with my sister 
and she was like, oh, something just flew at me. And then she um, and then she said, oh, my gosh, what is that smell? What is that smell? We could both smell it. It was this horrible, horrible smell. And we realized it had just flown just inside bug. her T-shirt on her shoulder. Oh. And she was covered in this stink bug smell. It's quite a traumatic memory, if I'm being honest. <laughs> um, interestingly, uh, there are around 20,000 aquatic beetle species, but there are no beetles in the open ocean, which is um, disappointing because I love the idea of a diving <laughs> of beetles beetle. just swimming freely, a diving beetle. Um, maybe there is, we just haven't discovered it yet. Um, but most water beetles have evolved to breathe underwater using uh, sort of complex abdominal gills, but very few of them spend all or part of their lives submerged in salt water. So beetles, while they may be able to just take a dip in the pool, um, don't they don't live in water as such. Wow, that's um, fascinating. Yeah. Um, and you mentioned uh, like Australia having the Christmas beetle. Yes. Apparently, dung beetles uh, can be credited with saving Australia's pastures. So apparently, after cattle were introduced to Australia in 1788, there was a serious problem with all their poo not being removed or broken down by the native be beetles, which had evolved to break down marsupial dung. Right. So all the marsupials in Australia, they have their nice little um, partnership with the, be the beetles that sort out their poo in the ecosystem. But then um, when they brought over all these cattle, there was no beetle to do the same. This beetle's mm. like, sorry, I'm kind of like I'm a marsupial I'm poo it. beetle. Yeah, I'm not going to do your cows. Um, and they, they introduced the exotic scarab beetle from Africa, which helped to manage that situation. Um, and that was the, you know, the dung beetle that you see in lots of David Attenborough documentaries rolling along the ball of dung. Wow, that's exotic. A foreign dung beetle, if you may. A foreign dung beetle. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't think this was in 1788. Yeah. So I'm pretty sure that nobody would say now in Australia or New Zealand or anywhere with any kind of biosecurity, can I just introduce a new species? I know. This is country. in the 70s. Nobody would let you. Now yeah, so nobody strict. would let you. <laughs> Um, and as I mentioned, um, so uh, some beetles are carnivores, uh, like we know the ladybird is, um, but there are a few rare species that actually hunt fish and amphibians. Um, two of the most unusual beetle hunters are the, the North American burying beetle that eats snake eggs and the old world ground be beetle that lures frogs to their death and then eats them. So like, there's, a, like, there's a real spectrum of beetles. I mean, it's like people, right? There's going to be good ones and there's going to be bad ones. But eating snake eggs, they must be huge. Yeah, maybe. Or maybe they just kind of snack on them oh, yeah. around the side, snack have a bit them. of a nibble. Do you know what I mean? It's not like a, it's not that big of an undertaking. Um, I have quite a few uh, quotes to finish on today, actually, about, um, about beetles. Sure, go for it. Um, so uh, the first one, which... Um, I really, I really love is um, from Charles Darwin, just because it's so hilarious. So he wrote, one day on tearing off some old bark, I saw two rare beetles and seized one in each hand. Then I saw a third and, and, and new kind, which I could not bear to lose. So I popped the one which I held in my right hand into my mouth. Alas, it ejected some intensely acrid fluid, which burnt my tongue so that I was forced to spit the beetle out, which was lost, as was the third one. <laughs> so I love this idea of Charles Darwin, you know, and, and this idea of you can constantly discover new beetle species and how amazing that must be as a scientist and having one in each hand and being like, what do I do? I need to grab the third one and then <laughs> putting one in his mouth. mouth. I mean, this is the man that we credit. Like, I, I think very highly of Charles Darwin, but come on. 
you know like, i so guess he funny. was operating before we had you know foldable tupperware that he could clip to his belt or something <laughs> but um but well, anyway. do you remember in science classes when we had to do that sucking thing where we had to suck the insect up um, through a little plastic straw into a, a little oh, plastic yes. container? Yes. I'm sure our listeners know what, what I'm talking about. Maybe I'm not describing it very well, but you're supposed to collect um, the beetles from a specific area, but you can't just pick up the, the, the animal or the insect into the container. So you had to use a straw to suck it up. I remember that. Through wow. into another uh, container. I wonder what that's called. Called. I can't remember it. Anyway, doesn't matter. I'm sure anyway, it'll come to us one day. I wonder, do people still do that? I hope they do. They do. I hope they, they do. do. Something um, to look forward to, kids, when school's open again. <laughs> you have beetle sucking in your future. <laughs> um, anyway, I've got a couple of other. I've got a couple of other quotes as well. Um, uh, Arthur Conan Doyle, who uh, famously wrote Sherlock Holmes, said, I have my own views about nature's methods, though I feel it is rather like a beetle giving his, which is um, interesting, but actually I'd love to hear a beetle's views on nature's methods. Um, this one is uh, from Arthur Schopenhauer, who said, any foolish boy can stamp on a beetle, but all the professors in the world cannot make a beetle, um, which I think is remarkable and talks to appreciation for nature and things that occur in the natural world that we cannot replicate um and then we have um we have uh, a quote from um annie dillard who said we have not yet encountered any god who is as merciful as a man who flicks a beetle over on its feet (laughs) which i think is lovely and if you've ever have you ever gone past a beetle an upended beetle and you just have to flick it over yes you can't just leave it yeah Because they're so helpless. You can't. No. Exactly. And the final quote I have is not, uh, it's pretty nonsensical, but I'm going to try and do it anyway. It's from Dr. Seuss. <laughs> it says, when beetles fight these battles in a bottle with their paddles and the bottles on a poodle and the poodles eating noodles, they call this a muddle puddle tweetle poodle beetle noodle bottle paddle battle. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, good old Dr. Seuss. Where did, where, where's, it's really deep. It's actually very deep. <laughs> um, is it from your, your personal collection, from your book, or is it something that no, you... No, no. So, I, I, I haven't like, found that one before. We, we need to get that book so we can read it to our kids. Can you just we read do. it again? It, you did it so well, and it's such a mouthful. Okay. okay. One more time. When beetles fight these battles in a bottle with their paddles and the bottles on a poodle and the poodles eating noodles, they call this a muddle puddle, tweetle poodle, beetle noodle, bottle paddle battle. <laughs> wow. Cruz, if only I had the applause sound effect, I would have done it. Actually. I've got it here. <laughs> oh. Amazing. I didn't even need it. It just made my day to say that out loud on air. (laughs) Brilliant. And I'm sure our listeners had so much fun learning more about beetles. Truly fascinating. Um, And I did find it. It's an insect aspirator. There's nothing. Ah, an insect aspirator. Wow. And that's not to aspirate their nose or anything. It's just to literally yeah. suck them up in, into a little container. Well, Cruzy, thank you so much uh, for, for your sharing uh, this week. And I look forward to uh, having you back on the program again next week and uh, for more uh, very interesting uh, audio columns. And that's uh, Cruzy McCalligan. Thank you very much indeed for your time today. No worries.
and uh, and uh, thank you many uh, many thanks also to uh, all our other guests uh, today. We were speaking to uh, Gorica Punt, uh, who's a student from HKS, and I'll be back at the same time tomorrow at one fifteen. But before I leave you, let me leave you with uh, one more song, and uh, Steve James uh, will be in the hot seat uh, after me, uh, followed by the news wrap team, and then of course Peter King is in the studio from seven o'clock to nine o'clock, and then uh, uh, Simon Wilson will be on the airwaves uh, setting in for Uncle Ray. Um, and of course, uh, I'll be back again at the same time at one fifteen.